From Social Service SG, I'm Jing Yao. Cooperative, a good space, a good friend to this podcast, ran two listening living labs and produced two corresponding listening reports to document the experiences and insights of migrant worker communities and low-income communities in Singapore. Even though the issues and insights are not necessarily new, representatives Nur Huda Hassan and Vandana Jairam provide a preview in this first episode. In the next two episodes, we take deeper dives into each report. So welcome to the podcast, Vandana and Nuru. How would you describe the Listening Living Labs run by A Good Space? Hello, yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, so I'm Vandana. Uh, and I'm Nuru. Hi. Hi. So yeah, so the Listening Living Labs is a new initiative that we've launched at a good space where we gather a diverse group of stakeholders to actively listen to different perspectives, find common ground, and commit to collaborative actions that effectively address various social issues. And in this first iteration, our focus has been to look at various issues faced by two communities, namely the migrant worker community and low-income communities in Singapore. Yeah, and that's interesting jump off of because, you know, some might say, you know, looking at those two issues that, you know, those concerning migrant workers and low-income communities are not necessarily new issues, right? This has been discussed even before the pandemic, even more so throughout the pandemic so far. So what would you say are the differences of the listening living labs compared to other research or engagement efforts in Singapore? So I believe both reports take took or kind of like adopted slightly different approaches. So the issues that affect migrant workers and low-income communities, as you said, they're not new. And there's been a lot of efforts to try and understand and address them, but yet they still persist. So the question that kind of came up for us was when we were thinking about where to even start and like why these issues are still not going away, we realized that maybe it was the way that we've been making sense of these issues that needs to kind of change. So... Questions like, have we been listening to all the people whose perspectives are important to consider? And even to the question of like, whose voices have been kind of left out of the picture when we talk about these issues. And from there, we realized that it wasn't really enough for us to just look at these issues from one stakeholder's perspective, like just the migrant worker's perspective, because we realized that there's so many different stakeholders in the space, right, for these issues. And they're connected in different ways to these issues. And they, they each have their own different needs, their own different constraints, their different ways of articulating, understanding these issues. And from there, I guess, we, we realize that everyone really has a piece of the, the truth uh, in these issues. So it became then like quite necessary for us then to go into like this deep dive to look at individual stakeholders' perspectives. For example, like how a dorm operator feels for the issues that migrant workers face in dormitories, but also for us to cover a bit more ground by listening to different stakeholders about the same issue. And after listening to all these people, we will then be able to see where these tension points lie for these issues and where there are disagreements, where there are agreements, and what really are the needs and goals of each stakeholder then. Andana, you want to yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think for us, the difference in the way we've done this research and, and engagement process was when we did this 
when we did when we did our listening and we call it listening very intentionally it was not to try to create like a coherent neat narrative or to support a particular argument or thesis statement it was really to just listen and surface all these different perspectives which could very well be contradictory to each other and really to just lay them out on the same page for everyone to see and so the spirit with which we came in to do this listening was that of sheer curiosity and empathy why we really wanted to know you know what it's like to be a dorm operator to be a migrant worker to be a gig worker for the low income community side and or to be a non profit profit representative and to encounter these issues that affect migrant workers or low income communities from these different stakeholders lives and from their own vantage points so i think that's a big difference in the way we've been listening and doing research and engagement from other um, approaches Yeah, it's great because the as in something that stood out. What Nuru shared would be everyone has a piece of the truth, right? And it seems mm-hmm. like the endeavor was to involve not necessarily as many as possible, but as many diverse perspectives as possible in that sense. Who has a stake in the issue? And I think Vanda, mm-hmm. when you were saying focusing on the listening and coming in with curiosity, empathy, I think that should underlie a lot of the reading of the reports that been produced, and that leads us to kind of like. The final question, which is the listening living labs, the two of them then culminated in two listening reports. So maybe in turn, give us a preview of the report first focused on migrant workers in Singapore. Okay, so for the listening report on the issues faced by migrant workers in Singapore, um, we structured it around four key issues, namely the high recruitment depth issue, barriers of access to healthcare. struggles with the dormitory experience of migrant workers and the social exclusion of migrant voices so it's important to note that while these are four issues four key issues that we've discovered they are not new like you said and they are not the only issues that affect migrant workers and nor are they isolated issues from each other they are very much interconnected in different ways and we'll you'll see that as we share more about the listening reports as well in the later podcast episodes but for each key issue what we've done in the report is to outline what are the main insights that we've gathered from our conversations with uh, diverse uh, leaders in the space so these these stakeholders and leaders include people from uh, migrant workers to dormitory operators to employers academics non-profit representatives and also from reading various research reports in the space that have come up recently after the pandemic because there's a lot of interest that has been about the issues facing migrant workers after the pandemic right because the pandemic kind of exposed a lot of issues and made them surface so from all this research and listening to different voices in the space we've gathered insights so the listening report shows these insights along with certain recommendations uh, for each issue and also uh, does a does a landscape survey of the different existing initiatives and uh, some upcoming initiatives as well so that's a that's a preview of the listening report for the migrant workers got you and over to you nuru tell us give us a preview of the other report the second report focused on low income communities hmm so our report for the low income communities site takes a bit of a closer look at three main issues the first one is the inadequacy of labor and social protections afforded to low wage gig workers The second is a lack of customized digital guidance within low-income communities, and then lastly, we looked at the kind of challenges that families and individuals face when trying to obtain interim assistance. So, 
like we talked about before, these issues are not new in the social sector landscape. And the insights that we heard on, particularly for the digital divide issue, gave us quite a new perspective on this issue. So in this report, that one of the highlights that we found was that initially we thought the biggest problem posed by the digital divide for low-income communities was this familiar issue of families not having access to a personal computer or internet access at home. But after our conversations with several leaders familiar with uh, the low-income community um, and the issues that they face, right, they actually told us that there were quite a considerable number of initiatives really addressing this issue of uh, not having internet access, not having uh, access to a personal computer at home at scale. And then for us, it boiled down to looking even deeper at this issue. And then we uncovered that the issue that no one seemed to be really addressing was then more to do with a lack of really customized guidance around digital literacy. So what this means is, unlike their counterparts in like a more affluent or middle-class families, right, youths in low-income households, we found lack a parental guidance in digital literacy skills beyond just having computer skills that are like very basic, like using a computer to do schoolwork, for example. So in the long run, we found that having this extra bit of guidance is is really a privilege. So to, to be able to use a computer to achieve a personal aspiration, like picking up a new skill online, can really be transformative in helping a family break out of the poverty cycle. And then, yeah, from, from there, we, we really had a lot to think about in terms of kind of looking at the really transformative capability building potential that digital literacy guidance can have for someone from a low-income family, like a, like a, a school-going person in a low-income family. Thank you both. Um, that's just a little teaser of what to expect in the next two episodes for the listeners. We have the first episode focused on the report on migrant worker communities and the second one on low-income communities, which will be coming out in the next weeks to come. So we we'll leave that at now. Thank you both. And we we'll hear from you very, very soon. Mm-hmm.